This is a celebration of everything KISS. This is a celebration of the history of the band, not any individual lineup. This really is an all-inclusive celebration. There's nothing bittersweet about it. It's only sweet. You know, I'm a fan of the band. They get to be in the band. It's always been surreal because I, I know what it's like to be you. I know what it's like to be on the front of the stage looking at the band, and now I get to be in the band and look at you doing the same thing. So I fully appreciate where all your dedication and heartfelt appreciation for the band comes from. I know this tour is going to be bigger and badder than you. We've done a lot of great tours, but this one's going to be exceptional. But we have been spending a lot of time in, in rehearsing and getting everything ready on a level that we haven't ever done before. To thine own self be true. The roar of the crowd, the smell of the grease paint, there ain't nothing like it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Right Between the Eyes podcast, a KISS podcast with three generations of KISS fans telling you why we love it loud. I'm one of your hosts, Rob Myers, and welcome to episode 48 and episode three of Road to Rosemont. This is number three, the opening act. More on that in just a segment. You can, <laughs> More on that in just a minute. <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> As you can hear, there's Xander right there. But before we introduce Xander, since you can hear him or see him depending on which version of the show you're watching you can get a hold of us on all of our social media outlets we are on twitter at rbte podcast we're on facebook at facebook.com slash right between the eyes podcast we are on instagram you can email into the show at right between the eyes podcast at gmail.com and if you're watching on youtube hello if you are listening on the audio you can go check out our youtube channel right between the eyes podcast and you can get some new merch that the virtual merch booth store is kind of having a hiccup digitally. So they're not taking any orders at the moment. And that also means they're not releasing the new artwork for the Rosemont and the new RBTE logo, but that should be coming out. Hopefully by the time you're hearing this episode, fingers crossed. And if you listen on iTunes or Apple podcast or any of your podcast catchers rate and leave a review of the show, and we will read that here. Like I said, I'm one of your hosts, Rob, and this is the first time in RBTE history at episode 48 here that Nick and Nico are not in this episode. And they were like, hey, this is Rosemont. Sometimes people can only go so far on the trip, like their car broke down. And they said, you guys continue on. We'll catch up with you or we'll just meet you at the show. So they're going to meet us at the next stop on the road to Rosemont. So on this episode, we have Brant at In My Head channel on Instagram and also on Twitter and on obviously on YouTube. And we have Emily Graziano that recently joined us and you can find her at flapper Dame 16 on Instagram and Emily Graziano 96 on YouTube. And we have Xander here from kiss army things. Where can people find you, sir? Check us out on facebook.com forward slash or backslash. I'm not sure which one it is slash kiss army things. Check us on uh, Instagram. Also kiss army things, one word. And then on YouTube, uh, kiss army things, three words. Yeah. Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube subscribe, follow, like <laughs> cool. And peek behind the curtain. We had done this episode a few weeks ago. And when Nick and Nico said they couldn't get here, we were kind of riffing for a moment. And I thought, you know what? Let's just get into the body of the episode and I'll do all of the intro stuff by myself later on. Because, you know, in, in the KISS world or on Planet KISS, what possibly breaking news are we going to have to try and insert? 
You ain't seen nothing yet. We're gonna take over this planet and call it Planet Kiss. Earth, not so good. Planet <laughs> Kiss, good idea. When Kiss is at a standstill for a moment, I mean, it's funny. Today is the 28th, and the first Kiss is gonna play their first U.S. show on this last leg, which is kind of cool. Like, are we gonna see anything new, or is this just a one stop in the U.S. because the main stage is flying somewhere else. So that'll probably be a show probably on your guys' channel before it's, it's on ours. But in this episode, I thought we're going to talk about the opening acts that have, that kiss has had that we've seen and some notable things. And one of the topics that we get at the tail end of the episode, I'm going to spoil part of it was who is kiss going to possibly have, are we going to get the painter again? Are we going to get, is David Lee Roth going to come back out of retirement? Is, you know, Bruce Kulik's band, somebody. And I think it might have been you, Xander, on the episode where you had mentioned there's a rumor going around that Evan Stanley uh, could possibly do it. And we talked a little bit about that. So I'm pulling up my trusty Twitter here. And of course, that would go away. There we go. So <laughs> little picture right there. And the gentleman holding a guitar right here is Evan Stanley. And I don't know if you noticed, Xander, the, it is a leopard print guitar. Oh, yes, yes. Very that he has. It is cool. And this is from Paul Stanley's Twitter. It says, went to see our end of the road opening band, Amber Wild, pretty strong. So that is Evan Stanley's new band. And when I looked him up on, I was trying to find like where their music was. If you look on Spotify, there's a band called Amber Wilds, and they oh. are so. Thought, huh. and, and this Amber Wilds has two albums. I think they think they might be EPs, and it's two gentlemen. I think one has a cello and one has an acoustic guitar. And I was like, "Really? That's going to be our opening band?" And then I realized, "Oh no, it's a different spelling." So I don't know if that means anything. So. Aside from an official announcement on KOL, we have a member of KISS tweeting this out that it is in fact his son. So I think we can call this 99% confirmed. I mean, it's they have, there's no announcement officially yet, but Paul Stanley has said it. What do you think now about that we are pretty sure we have an opening act for our show in Rosemont and throughout the this last bit of the U.S. tour. I'm pretty cool with it, honestly. Um, I think we might have talked about in the episode that people will get to later on about how, you know, I would be okay if there wasn't an opening act. I mean, mm -hmm. if it was just Kiss on the bill and no other act, no other special guest, I would be fine with that. Um, however, now that we know that Evan will at least in some way be involved on a handful of these shows, I'm totally down with it. I mean, we know that Evan is a rocker. We know who his dad is. So we know, right. that, um, yeah, I mean, we know that, you know, it's, it's in his blood, right? It's in his genes. So um, I know that there's going to be some people that are going to be a little kind of off put by it, you know, oh, why is Paul giving this to his son? And I got to be honest, man. I mean, anybody would do the same thing if they mm -hmm. could, um, you know, pay it forward to their son. Like, hey, I'm going to give you a platform on my way out to introduce you. I mean, would you look at it a little bit like that? I think it makes sense. Um, so I'm, I'm totally cool with it now. What, what are you thinking though? I, I'm fine with it in discussions that we've had. I, I think you may have had one with Brant. I know that I've had where Gene made a statement about, I mean, probably two years ago that rock is dead. You know, 
rock is still very much alive. You just got to go find it in, in different ways. But here is kiss leaving the stage and trying to set up anybody and people want to go, Oh, this is nepotism at its finest. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife works in an industry where, you know, she's in the financial advisor realm and, you know, she has a boss and the boss's son is coming in. Like that's just how some of that stuff is not that Evan is getting the keys to the kiss world, but why wouldn't you, I I would totally think if Nick Simmons, he had a band at the exact same time and it was a fully functional band, there might be some discussion like, okay, your son opens this night. Gene very well could have said, well, how about Sophie? It's, it's a different type of crowd, but just right. being a fan, if I get to see any band, you know, you had said, ah, I'm fine. If there's not, I kind of like there to be something else. Yeah. It'd be kind of cool just to talk and mingle amongst one another. But I think for so long on this tour, there hasn't been anybody and the, the painter is fine. We talk about it in this episode, but just mm-hmm. getting to see another band again, it's been a long time since I've been to a kiss show where there's been another musical act. So right. I, I'm totally fine with it. And this may turn me on to some new music. And if he's got a merchant CD, heck yeah, I'm going to go buy it. I'm going to go check it out. And this Absolutely. could be the next thing that all of us kiss fans are like, well, we're not seeing kiss, but Evan Stanley's band is is playing so yeah absolutely and uh one other thing too, you, you made a good point about you know it'd be kind of like nepotism but you know it made me start to think like well how many times have you or anybody listening or watching how many times have you gotten a job because you know somebody right you know like for instance when I, my first job was at pizza Hut. i had a buddy who worked at pizza hut and i was like man i think i need to get a job he goes well i tell you what i work at pizza hut let me put in a word for you and I worked there and I worked there until it didn't work out. And then my uh, other friend worked at a local supermarket and I went and worked with him at a supermarket. And then Daphne worked at Target. I worked at Target with her. So it's, you know, it's like, how many times have you been in the right place at the right time to get something? You know what I mean? And yeah. so I think for Evan, it's like that too, where, you know, yeah, of course, you know, his dad is Paul Stanley, but Paul Stanley would not bring him out on tour if he didn't think that he was ready for that. Um, right. And it's also, I think, more than just Paul's son's band. Of course, he's the one that we know. But the other guys in the band, you know, they're regular guys. They're guys who grew up listening to rock and roll music. They grew up listening, you know, playing their instruments, practicing, uh, mm-hmm. dreaming about being in a rock band. You know, they've probably played in other bands, other shows. So this is more than just, you know, Paul's son. This is these other guys, too. Uh, they're getting a huge, big push from Paul and kiss and i'm sure they're very grateful for that too but yeah this is more than just you know paul giving his his son you know the spotlight it's about him giving his band a spotlight and i don't know if you noticed this but that video he posted a video i don't know if it was on a story or what but yeah there was a video with paul's post and he has the camera of course on evan for a little bit as he goes over and he does some you know guitar work with the other guitar player and then comes back but paul stops the camera on his drummer and mm-hmm. zooms in on the drummer as he's doing the crazy outro and he throws the drumsticks all rock and roll style and then Paul stopped it. So Paul's not interested in just his son. Right. He either he expected the drummer to do something cool or wanted him to do something cool, or maybe he's seen the show and knew he was gonna do something cool. Either way, it's more than just his son. He was focusing on the drummer, you know. So I think he sees, you know, more than just, oh, look at my boy. It's like, wow, this as a group. People need to hear this. this. These guys should be playing with the big leads. Well, hey, I have a 
you know, I can give them that chance. Let's do that. So I think, you know, it's going to be kind of weird for a lot of fans at first, but I think once these shows get going, once these clips start coming out, it's going to be like, yeah, that's, that's Paul's son. I even mentioned in an episode, I don't know if it was with you or if it was on our show, I, I do so much content. You just kind of forget, <laughs> but uh, I mentioned somewhere that if Evan has half the competitive spirit that his dad does, you know, his goal is going to be to come out and put on the best show and be the best that he can be, you know, forget my dad. That's him. He'll, he'll do that. Mm -hmm. I'm young. And I need to show these people that I'm capable of doing what my dad does. Maybe even better if he wants to have that mindset, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you can't, you can't just go out there and be like, okay, you know, we're not kids. We're just the opening band. We're going to, you know, go out and play. No, you need to have that mentality of we're going to go out there and we're going to eat kiss alive. You know what I mean? Right. We have right. no makeup. We have no pyro. We don't have 50 years, but we're going to go out there and we're going to pretend like we are somebody. You know what I mean? So I think that it's going to be a great show no matter what. They're going to go out there with something to prove. Oh, definitely. And it's kind of fitting swan songy-ish in type of a way as Kiss is ending. You know, if you just go back to the history where Kiss was playing with all of these big bands and they, like you said, perfectly, they wanted to crush, you know, Bob Seger and Ted Nugent and Bingo. Johnny Winter and all of that stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> I still got extreme close up in my head. Me but, too. Me too. You know, but I, I think that's that's a great thing. And I hope Evan and his band, I, I, I'm sad that I don't know who the members of his band are, but I think. Yeah. Yes. We will now. Yes, we will. And what a great set. And the, the last parting thing I want to put here before we get into the body of the episode, or this is going to be a whole episode, just you and I. Um, <laughs> you don't need to watch the rest of it. We've already talked about the whole show. But there was, it's been years ago. I, I don't know if I could find it a time to edit it in here, but Paul had made a comment of he's not going to give any of his kids a special handout just because he's Paul Stanley. They have to earn for whatever it is that they're getting. And some people could say, uh, well, you know, Paul's just giving it to him. Evan has already had one band and it ended and had done something kind of solo. Here he is with like his third round. I wonder if Paul is going, okay, now you've earned it. You've done the work. You've done the time you've earned to earn the right to play on the biggest stage imaginable. Yep. So I, I remember when I heard Paul say that originally going, wow, that's really kind of rough to go. Yeah. I got millions of dollars. I'm not giving you a handout. You know, I've heard Gene kind of say the same thing. Like you're going to make or break yourself just like I did. And yeah. I would be thinking, well, gee, dad, that kind of sucks. But here we are in 2023 and we've not really seen much of Evan do anything like Paul rarely posts anything about Evan until I think it's worthy of posting. So just anything final there, just on that comment before we roll into it. I think you made a good point. I think a lot of people are going to look at this and think it's nepotism and they're going to say a bunch of things online, but unless they're going to the show, their opinions don't matter. And I think when we go see it, if, if he's there at Rosemont, it's going to be a great show. And I think this is going to be, you know, a, a great thing for them as far as, uh, getting their name out there. Like you said, we're going to learn these guys' names. We're going to know them. Um, and even if this band ends and they go somewhere else, we're going to go, oh, yeah, wasn't that guy in that band? I saw him live. And, you know, I mean, this like this is going to be great. I, there's plenty of things always. There's always plenty of things to pick and poke at. And um, But you know what? I think it's going to be great, and I'm excited to see it, whether he's there for just, um, you know, a handful of shows, the whole leg, maybe just the Hollywood Bowl. I don't know. But there's something special going to be going on these last several shows. And if that's it, then, hey, I'm here for it. Yeah, definitely. 
and there's plenty of bands that we've seen and gone, who is that band? Like in this episode, Xander pulls out somebody where I was like, oh, who up, opened up on the Hottest Show on Earth tour? And I was yep. like, oh, holy crap. I remember I liked them. So if you want to know who that band is, just continue on. After the break, we'll be right back. And we're going to be talking about the opening acts primarily that we all have seen. And we kind of throw some other ones in there leading up to the road to Rosemont. This is road to Rosemont number three, RBTE 48. And we'll be right back in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. We've been around for generations, but when you see a little five-year-old kid in kiss makeup on his dad's shoulders, who's wearing kiss makeup next to his father, that stuff, that'll put a lump in your throat. You have to turn around for a second. It gets me. It, it's, yes, it's music, but it's generational, and it brings families together instead of separates them. All autumn, the leaves change colors and begin to fall. The kids go back to school. Pumpkin Spice becomes its own food group. And little ghosts and goblins are on the streets begging for candy. But something sinister awaits. Back in the woods among those dead trees sits a foreboding, dilapidated manor. You can't resist. You must go inside and return to... The House of Frankenstein. Did you hear that? I heard that. What was it? Listen to them, children of the night. What music they need. The Supermates Podcast presents four spine-tingling episodes covering your favorite classic horror films featuring these iconic stars. Griffin Dunn and David Naughton. You're one of the undead, and I'm a werewolf. Yes, that's right. Bela Lugosi. I am Dracula. I bid you welcome. Claude Rains. You're crazy to know who I am, aren't you? All right, I'll show you. <laughs> and Peter Cushing. I can hear his voice. It's in your own mind. It's just happened to me, too. Plus, your favorite superheroes versus classic monsters. I understand your concern, Mr. Wayne, but I don't think you need to worry that Wayne Tech is responsible for this invisible man. But I seem to remember last year hearing something about an invisibility project. Visit fireandwaterpodcast.com or your favorite podcatcher for the 10th annual journey into terror at the House of Frankenstein. Not available in pumpkin spice flavor. Hello, everyone, and here we are for The Road to Rosemont, a smaller table tonight. We've got Brant from In My Head. How are you doing this evening, sir? I'm doing well. I'm coming to you from an undisclosed location somewhere <laughs> a little a good hop and a piece away from my house. But, hey, I just came in from dinner, and I'm so happy to be here. I'm glad that I could make it. I thought I might not make it, but I'm glad to be here to talk about this subject tonight. And returning for her second time on this channel, Emily, how are you doing this evening? Oh, I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. It's going to be a fun discussion. Thank you. And Xander from Kiss Army Things is on the literal screen this time. How are you doing, sir? Hey, I'm doing pretty well, man. I'm coming at you from the other side of the room tonight. We usually film on that wall. I'm coming at you from the other side of the room. I'm wearing my RBT shirt. I'm ready to rock. So thank you so much for having me on. If I was awarding points, you would have four tonight. Ooh. <laughs> you know, ace. Like who's line, but the points don't matter. That's right. right. <laughs> right. 
So like I said, in the top of the show, we, from time to time on the podcast, we will do an opening act segment that gives us a backdoor to talk about other bands that we might be interested in or other artists. So we've previously done Def Leppard, which features in tonight's episode. And then we have also done, uh, it's, 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 oh, Bon Jovi, excuse me. Bon Jovi was the very first one, uh, a band that Nico uh, is loves very much and as we do all. So I thought this would be a cool topic that we're not going to talk about any one specific band, but a big pull for a lot of people going to concerts are who's the opening act. Or in some cases, the opening act might be the thing, might be the band that you're actually wanting to go see more than whoever the opening act is. And Kiss has had a huge long history of giving a lot of bands their very first dues it, you know, your slaughters, your motley crews, your Judas priests, etc., and on down the line. And I'll I'll spring this really quick on everybody here as I see some wide eyes. Kiss themselves was obviously an opening act. And as we know the story goes, Kiss got so big that other bands did not want to follow Kiss. So just really quick, we'll kind of go in the order from Xander, Emily, Brant, and myself. And maybe just talk initially just about like, you know, kiss opening, like for Bob Seger, you know, blue oyster calls and some of these classic bands, like what are your thoughts? Like here we are at the tail end and like kiss opens for no one The once upon a time kiss was opening for people. And like, could you just imagine what a band must've been thinking of like, Holy crap, we got to follow these guys. So uh, just real quick, Xander, any, any thoughts on just, you know, Kiss in their infancy of them, of them being an opening band? Even even at that early um, for Kiss, I could not imagine being another band and having to go on after them. Even in Kiss's infancy, they were already like annihilating bands on stage. I couldn't imagine being Bob Seger or any one of these acts. And thinking, you know, like, yeah, I'm the top dog, I'm the top act. And then you're kind of hearing something in the back and you look out on stage and you see four madmen on stage running around spitting fire and blood. And it's like, uh-uh, <laughs> like, how am I going to get the crowd on my side now after following that? And, and the funny thing is, is that, Rob, you and I did a Kiss Extreme close-up episode on my channel. And in, the, in that video, Gene talks about how... You know, opening for these different guys, you know, Bob Seger. And he mentioned somebody, Johnny Winter. Johnny Winter. <laughs> could not tell you one single song by Johnny Winter. I'm sorry. I don't know who he is. He might be great, but he's nowhere on the level of Kiss. And, I mean, it's like, yeah, I mean, nobody is. And so even at that early, I wouldn't want to be on the same bill unless we were, like, you know, kind of like Rush, where they had a good, nice relationship with bands like yeah. Rush. I've heard I've heard uh, Bon Scott talk nice about performing with Kiss. And so unless you got a nice camaraderie, I wouldn't want to be on stage with, with Kiss. No. No. Uh, Emily, any thoughts on just Kiss as an as an opening band? It's kind of hard to imagine. Um, I used to watch documentaries when I was little, and them saying, "Oh yeah, we were the opening band uh, act," and I didn't really know what that meant. But just knowing that they had to talk about that in documentaries is kind of an odd thing. But I have this the Kiss Alive Forever book. It says that like headlining acts were like the Bratz and Isis and like the New York Dolls, Manford Man. Like, can you imagine them being the headlining act and everybody's in the audience to see them? 
and then the odd uh, the audience has to sit through this band called Kiss, and they're out in makeup <laughs> wearing these platform heels. You don't know what's going on, and you're either blown away or um, you're very confused. Like you're alienating some of, and you either gain fans or you get um, people who hate you. That's just a bizarre concept. And I think the closest thing in my life that Kiss has ever come to being an opening act is the Arrow Kiss tour. Yeah. That was the closest thing that I think about. And I think about that, and I don't think Kiss was very happy on that Arrow Kiss tour. And then they were down ace on that tour, I believe. Mm -hmm. So I, I think I think about that, and I, I, I think that's the closest they've ever come in my lifetime to being like an opening act or anything. Brant? I can't even imagine Kiss being an opening band. I mean, just period. But it would have been so awesome. Honestly, the more I think about it, <clears throat> I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, I'm not really, you guys are probably like a whole lot more like aficionados when it comes to opening bands than I am because I'm one of those person, I'm one of those, the type of people that, I think I've said this before in one of my videos, and I don't know if I've said it with you guys on the screen with me or not, is I'm one of those people that went to shows a lot of time to see the main band. I didn't go to see the opening band. Sometimes I wouldn't even get there in time to see the opening band, or especially if I had seats that were selected already. Uh, if there's a band that I really didn't like or care for, back in the days of general seating, um, I do remember, you know, um, getting there and getting on the floor and getting there early and being there for the opening band. But a lot of them I just don't remember. Um, I don't remember. I remember some here and there, but I don't remember a lot of them off the top of my head. But um, seeing Kiss as an opening band would have been, it would have been something just shy of insanity because they were so hungry back then and you see those early shows you see the footage of those early shows and the electricity and the energy and the spookiness and the mystique of all that that is kiss from that that era that 74 75 into 76 you know era um early 76 era it just jumps off the screen at you when you see it on even a small screen like your laptop the energy that comes out of your speakers. So could you just imagine being there, seeing these four hungry, starving guys, some of them still living at home with their parents, uh, borrowing their manager's clothes to be on the cover of an album and them putting <laughs> albums out every six months and getting pulled off the road to go record. And they were just so hungry and so starving that they were giving it everything that they had. They were playing to arenas every single night and they knocked band they knocked opening the bands that they were opening for off the stage um i would i could just have um i would have just loved to to have seen it i would love to be able to go get a if a time machine invented what could be invented i would go back to like the popcorn club i would go back to the daisy i would mm -hmm. go back to those days mm -hmm. and be that fifth part of that 15 crowd uh people that's in some of those early shows where they're polishing their act and developing their act and their stage and their personas and just being there when that, when kiss is being born, uh, it would just, it would just, it would just been amazing to, to be able to see kiss as an opening act. I mean, could you imagine seeing Gene Simmons in a sailor suit or, 
you know, early stages of Peter's makeup where he almost looked like the little rascals, you know, dog, you know, two circles, maybe blacked, blacked in a little bit. Um, going to see Paul with the star on. And then, you know, a few nights later, he's trying out the bandit makeup and then going, oh, I'm going to go back to the star. Like, weren't, weren't you that other? I mean, it's. In 2023, I think we've seen everything from ghost to poison to like some New York dolls and Alice Cooper. But I don't believe there was another band wearing kabuki makeup on stage, black leather studs, breathing fire. You'd had to have been looking up at the stage going, what in the world? Like you said, Xander, When's Johnny Winter coming out? When's <laughs> when's Bob Seeger get these guys off stage? And the fact that they had the Kiss logo so bright that Gene said when you closed your eyes, the imprint of the Kiss logo, you could still see it when your mm. when your eyes was closed and hearing stories of, you know, road managers for other bands pulling their cords or not, you know, uh turning their amps up or things being unplugged or, you know, not having the faders all the way up and their security guard having to guard the sound booth or whatever, just crazy. So let's fast forward a little bit to some notable, notable opening bands that you saw in tandem with kiss. We'll save like the Aerosmith in Def Leppard. We'll kind of maybe go like second, second tier, unless they're all, you know, on the rivals with with kiss uh xander let's start with you just some ones that you saw either you didn't know you were going to get to see or you're like oh cool well i so-and-so's at this gig well um i'll tell you what i'll start with this band because i think they still do perform i know covid's put a damper on a lot of bands but uh the dead daisies mm. um, we got to see the dead daisies actually twice uh once in 2014 and then in 2016, they were also the opener as well. And both of those performances were absolutely fantastic. One of them was outdoor. One of them was indoor. And they put on a great live show. I mean, it was nothing like gimmicky like Kiss would do. But just in terms of energy, the music, it was definitely the loudest show, uh, loudest band I've ever heard live. I mean, Kiss will play pretty loud, but they still want you to be able to distinct, you know, between each uh, mm -hmm. instrument and hear things at a reasonable level dead daisies didn't care one bit about nobody's hearing that night they said we're turning it up to 11 possibly 12 and <laughs> that's just that's just the way it, i mean it was uncomfortably loud but nevertheless it was a fantastic show i mean john karabi i mean if you know who that is oh you i know love john he's proven himself as a true rock star so i mean him fronting that band you, you, it doesn't get any better so um i'm not gonna sit here and say that i know every one of their songs i have all their albums but I know that that is a tried and true hardcore rock band. And if they ever um, do come around again, I hope to see them with or without another band. They were fantastic. I always wished I got, could have seen John front Motley Crue. That's, that's my favorite incarnation of Motley Crue is wow, okay. uh, John Karabi on vocals, but you know, he and Bruce Kulik had union together. So I've seen John in, in various forms, not uh, just, I haven't seen him with Daisy had the opportunity once, but didn't get a chance to. You know now, what's funny? Oh, what? sorry. No, I was going to say real quickly about uh, John Karabi. You know, what's funny is that he was actually a guest at, I'm not sure which Kiss Expo it was, but one of the expos we went to, he was a guest. And I think he and Eric, maybe it was 2013, I think he and Eric or he and Bruce or somebody did like a live performance. 
And because we didn't know who it was at the time, I was so young, we skipped it and was in the hotel room hanging out or buying merch oh, wow. or doing something else. And I look back on it, and I'm like, man, how awesome would it have been to, to sit literally within like 20, 30 feet of him and Bruce or Eric or whoever and just hear them play song. I think it was Union. I think they were doing Union songs. Mm. And I'm thinking, man, if I could just go back in time, I would actually go and sit and watch them play. That would have been great. I was at two Indianapolis uh, or Indie Expos, and before they were ESP, they were just calling this, themselves the band the previous year, recorded the album. Then the following year, they had the official ESP album. And then I, I want to have to look. It was 2004, might have been 06. It was Bruce, uh, Eric, John. Oh, no. Uh, Eric Dover. Eric Singer, John Karabi, and uh, Stefan Adika all played. Just this wow. kind of hodgepodge, you know, group. And it was kind of cool to see uh, John, you know, front that little group as well. Um, Emily, you, I know you and I were talking like off mic or through your know, text messages that you haven't seen a lot of of opening bands uh, for Kiss. And you said you may kind of parent and talk to your mother a little bit. Are there any notable ones that just your family has seen or just ones maybe you can jump on the bandwagon of, Oh, I wish I could have seen. Okay. So we, in 2019, David Lee Roth was touring with them. Like we mm. just missed him by a couple shows. Cause oh, I, I remember he's pulled off like the touring schedule and then it's like, well, what are they going to do now? And it's like, Oh, I, then I heard from my cousin-in-law, Ron, who was at, my cousin-in-law, Ron's a major Kiss fan. He was in the VH1 fan club episode in 2000. Mm. So Ron on that show is my cousin-in-law, Ron. Um, <laughs> he told me, uh, like, oh, I think they're going to try to do something else. I'm like, what are they doing? And he went to a couple shows, like, that had the painter. And he's like, oh, they got this rock and roll painter. I'm like, a painter? Okay. And uh, to be fair, the painter was pretty fun. But, like, do I need to see him again? I saw the painter twice. Do I need to see him a third time? No. <laughs> but um, in 2000, my mom got to see Ted Nugent and Skid Row. Mm. So with that, and then I got to see Enough Zenough um, when he opened for Ace in 2019. Okay. So, nice. And then, like, I had a kind of a run-in with Chip, and I didn't know who he was because I don't <laughs> really know that man here. I'll explain it. But we were in the restaurant at the Arcata Theater at – um, even though I had listened to some of um, Enough's Enough's music, I wasn't paying attention to oh, who's who because I know that they went through some lineup changes. So I see this guy sitting at the table. My mom and I are leaving, and he has, like, the eccentric hat and the big sunglasses, and I'm like, what's that guy with the hat? And then I we start walking out, um, and I kind of smile and wave to Chip. And I thought nothing of it. I kept walking. We go out, cut to the opening act, and I see Chip on stage, and it was kind of like, shocked face and my mom nudged me and she's like that was the guy at the restaurant i'm like i just smiled and waved to that guy and i thought nothing of it and here, here he's the opening act so yeah i had an unknown run-in with chip that is that, so funny that's hilarious <laughs> uh brant what about you man well i'm just honestly i've been sitting over here cheating because i've been looking up on uh, <laughs> wikipedia seeing who opened for kiss um Whenever and so the, is that what we're discussing? Are we discussing bands that I remember seeing open for Kiss? Bands bands that you re, that you personally remember seeing, or somebody that was playing and you're like, eh, I'm gonna I will stay in line to get a shirt. Um, <laughs> uh, so um, 
So whenever I saw, I was just kind of looking it up and I was kind of, oh yeah, I do kind of remember that. Cause that's how my, that's how my brain works. Um, a lot of times I don't remember something until somebody actually mentions it. So um, the first tour I ever saw was uh, um, dynasty tour. I was 10. And honestly, I, the only thing I remember about the opening act, the opening act was blue oyster cult. Hmm. The only thing I remember about Blue Oyster Cult being from that time is that um, I remember thinking they had a weird name, Blue <laughs> Oyster Cult. And then I remember that song um, during when they sung the Don't Fear the Reaper song. And I remember that song being so scary. And today that song still kind of <laughs> creeps, creeps me out. <laughs> okay. Um, just all the way back to that that childhood 10-year-old thing. Um the next tour I saw was the Lick It Up tour, and I'd forgotten that I'd seen this band until um, until uh, I saw my um, on set list. Um, when I saw Kiss, except opened up for Kiss huh. from, on, on the Lick It Up tour, and they had the Balls to the Walls sign, uh, Balls to the Walls song. Um, so um, hold on a sec. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Power of editing. Power of editing. Never fails. He's getting his cheesecake. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I'm in the lobby. I'm like, can you possibly bring it up to me? <laughs> I'm in room 413. Um, <laughs> so I may I may have to step away here to open my door here in just a second. Okay. But okay, so um, the next time I saw them was the Animalize tour and Crocus opened for them. And honestly, yeah. I don't remember that. I must have not have been, I must not have been, uh, I think I was in a seat for, for that. Uh, I don't remember Crocus opening up at all, but apparently they did. And then the Asylum tour, I did remember this once I saw it, Black and Blue opened for oh. um, Asylum. On That's kind of cool. Um, so I did remember that. And, and I, this is another one I'd kind of forgotten uh, until I actually saw it. When I saw them on Hot in the Shade, um, Slaughter opened for them. And I remembered it once I saw that, that Slaughter opened for them. And I haven't got to Revenge or the Reunion. or fan, uh, I can't remember who opened for them on the Revenge tour. Uh, do, you, do you guys remember who opened up for them very widely on the Revenge tour? I, uh, that was my ver first concert. So that, that's what I'm going to lead with. Okay. Uh, uh, well, then, okay, so we're up to that point, you guys, because honestly, I can't remember who opened for them on the Revenge Tour, on the Farewell Tour, or on the Reunion Tour. I can't remember. Well, the Revenge Tour, when I saw them, they, there was a swap out with Winger. was a few nights before I saw them. Great White had slipped in, so it was originally Trickster, Great White. There might have been Faster Pussycat for Ooh. a brief moment. But when I saw them in November 27th, it was Trickster, Great White, and then Kiss. I'm going to have to look this up because I have seen all of those bands. I've seen Trickster, Great White, and Faster Pussycat. And I love Trickster, and fa especially Faster Pussycat. So um, I'm going to have to definitely... Uh, so I would have saw Faster Pussycat and Trickster. Okay. That was... Or it says during North America they had Faster Pussycat and Trickster. I don't know if that meant that they had a, a pre-opener and an opener, like they both played, or if they 
I've, but I've, I've seen both. It was of three, 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 bands. Ba three bands on that tour. Then I saw that. Here. Okay. It says yeah. like Danger, Faster Pussycat, Fortress, Great White, Jackal, Jackal. Shooting Gallery, oh. Trickster, Jackal and, and Kiss. That had been amazing. And, um, a band called Shut the, the Game Down. I, I can't pronounce it. The Zoo. Bzuvius, never heard of them. I'm gonna black out Brant's screen. He's being a jerk right now. Mute. I didn't realize the Revenge Tour had had that much on it. Yeah, they had Danger, Danger, Shooting Gallery, Fast Pussycat, Trickster, Jackal. Oh, that would have been awesome to see them in Greenville for Jack with Jackal and Trickster. Could you imagine? Mm. Oh, Jack their debut album is it's perfect. Oh yeah, there, there's their debut a, album is. Oh. There's not a dead song on that album. You could no. literally hit shuffle. Their debut album. Their, oh, yes, their debut album is oh. front front to back, amazing. Oh. One I of the saw live in the womb. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of those bands that after they made that first album, they should just stopped and just yeah. tore off that album for the rest of their career because their second album wasn't bad. But I remember going, man, that first album is that so first good. album though, man. There was that, that that first album was special. We yeah. have to do a jackal podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. We need to do a jackal. Uh, you know, we do uh, we do on the be on the Robs and do an opening bands. Yeah, yeah exactly. We, we, that, that, that jackal. <laughs> yeah, ooh, that'd be great. Just to talk about that first album. A little yeah. sidebar, one of the first bands I was in, we did When Will It Rain, and we did, uh, we tried Lumberjack, but it was too cheesy. Um, Redneck Punk. Ah, that was a good one. Dirty Little Mind. Dirty Little Mind, that was it, yeah, yeah. The so, drums yeah. are so easy, but talking yeah. with three drummers on the screen, it's like ACDC. It's so easy, but it's so fun it's to perfect. play. Back off, brother. songs oh. are so fun to play. That's one of those. It's it was really hard for me to not overplay because the drums are so simplistic and not in a bad way. They're just so heavy and mm -hmm. so fat. It doesn't need a lot of crazy fills and just sweet ride and hi hat work and a couple tom fills and oh my gosh, this the is the jackal. Uh, the drums the on that album sound amazing. The bass drum is just nice and thick and fat. The Road the to Jackal podcast. Pops. It's got the right amount of reverb. I mean, this done turned into a Jackal podcast. That's right. Oh, that's great. That's going to be our Halloween episode. It's the Jack O'Lantern podcast. Oh, that's good. That's great. Oh, that oh. looks amazing over there. I hope you wear I'm, that. I'm being a total uh, jerk. You hope, I choke, you hope I choke on this, don't you? No, I don't. Because we got to finish I the show. hope I dump it out all over my laptop. Well, because we got to finish the show. Yeah. Okay, breathe, Brant. We got 10 more minutes. Come on. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So That's I'll so go with funny. mine. Like I said, the, the revenge tour for me it was Trickster, Great White, and then you know, obviously Kiss. So I was seeing all of those bands for the for the very first time. My best friend and I, we were we were on cloud 10, like obviously seeing Kiss, but we were really big Trickster fans. I love their second album here. You want to talk about a perfect perfect album like the Jackal album? Go listen to here, front and back. That is a flawless, flawless album. So we were real excited for that. And then uh, my best friend also played guitar, and he was the, I always called him the intro guy. He learned all the intros to a lot of these songs, and we go, that's all I know. So it was usually right before I would come into plays, like, oh, I got to learn the rest of that. Uh, the Big Goodbye from uh, Great White, we thought that was, a, I still love that song. The, 
think it was called Psycho City was the name of that album that they were touring in support of on the on the Kiss tour. Good album. Um, but then again, you know, seeing Kiss as well. So that was my first. And then on the Rock the Nation tour, we got to see, and I've got them right here, which will go as I'm knocking stuff off there. ZO2. Oh, yeah. Which uh, Joey right there was going to feature into our show, hopefully before uh, too long. He's currently uh, just finished up doing drums for uh, Ace Freely for his uh, new album should be coming out before too long. But that was, that was a band that I saw. I remember seeing on the billboard like, Oh, poison's going to be here. That was a, a, a draw to be like, Oh, it's the first time I'm going to see poison live. And then it was ZO two. I thought, I don't know who the ZO two band is. Oh, they're, they're probably nobody. And boy, did they just tear it up. I have never ran to the merch booth fast enough <laughs> thinking in my mind, like somehow I'm going to meet them. They might've been there, but I picked this up at the show. I was just so totally impressed with them. And I was telling everybody I knew like this band is going to be huge. They're going to be big. And they, they didn't quite do that, but uh, the couple albums that they have are, are absolutely fantastic. And uh, they tragically lost their bass player, in a uh, a car accident when I think it was the band was called the Adrenaline Mob that Mike Portnoy was playing in, and I think he had just left that band when this uh, accident had happened. So a uh, very sad story, but I, I can't recommend this first album enough. ZO two, um, yeah, they're the, the very first album. So and sure then it was good too. I, yeah, I did get to, I did yeah. get the chance to look up who I saw them open for on the reunion, the verb pipe. I don't the remember verb. that. Um, oh. I might've got there late for the reunion. Um, or I could have been at the waiting in line at the merch table. Cause the lines at the merch tables on the reunion were insane. was insane. It was insane. I mean, it was like kiss 77 all over again. It was insane. Yeah. And even the crowds was insane. I mean, the, the energy, that original energy, when they say they captured it and the magic was back, that was not a lie. It, it was there. It was the energy that the old school fans and young fans and new fans and all together. It was just it was just amazing. Um, and then on the farewell tour, I remember this is another one I remembered after I on the farewell tour, I would have saw them in Charlotte and it would have been Ted Nugent and Skid Row mm. would have opened. And Skid Row is another one of those bands. It's like their first album's amazing front to back. It's it, the songwriting and the musicianship is crazy. And you think, oh, they've got a masterpiece. And then they release Slave to the Grind. And it's mm. like, oh, my God. It's like that album. <laughs> that album beats you up. <laughs> that album is so good. Oh, yeah. That's another killer album. Killer album. Mm -hmm. And depending if you bought the cassette or the CD, there was a different song on each of them. Get the F out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I forget that was on the cassette. So I remember was on the cassette. <laughs> I had kind of switched over to CDs at that point. I'm like, oh, I, I got to go get the cassette now. You had to buy the cassette. I had to buy the cassette. Yeah. I remember my Kiss hasn't done that. You know, put a put one last put a one different track at the very end on the difference. Yeah, the vinyl's going to have this. The CD will have that. Well, right. Kiss kind of did that with they Monster. That with, yeah, with some Apple exclusives and Apple stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, they did. Um, I got, I had the privilege of seeing the first reunion show at Tiger stadium. 
and getting to see Sponge, which they had a big hit with Wax Ecstatic in 1996. It was all over MTV. I, I still love that song. The album was kind of hit or miss. They had about four or five good tracks. But on my short list or bucket list, a band that I always wanted to see was Alice in Chains. And I couldn't believe that I was seeing Alice in Chains. And unfortunately, that was the very last show for lane staley they were just that's coming a band off, i never got to see I, coming off the high of the mtv unplugged and i just ben and i my best friend and i were talking about this not that long ago of lane staley didn't move the entire performance he just kind of hung on to the microphone stand while everybody else kind of rolled around and we were like man is, is he okay he was singing like crazy but just mm-hmm. didn't talk jerry cantrell was doing the talking to the audience and it it was just so loud in Tiger Stadium. And of course, you know, we're all just like, I can't believe Kiss is, you know, going to be here. But at the same time, it's like, how crazy is that for Allison Chains to be playing in Tiger Stadium in center field? And it's just a sea of people. Like, you could just look around and go, I, I've never seen, like, I've been to umpteen Tigers games and I've never seen that place that packed from clear tops to the box office and then of course the the floor as well but they were looking out there going that's allison chains mm. out there on kiss's stage like that that had to be totally crazy i would love that uh, that's that's a band i never got to see two of my favorite bands typo negative and allison chains are two bands i never mm. really got the the chance to see and and uh, or or when they came by when they came around i was either there was a point in time there in the mid '90s when a lot of bands that I loved was touring, like you know uh, Stone Temple Pilots, and mm. uh, um, they were on the original bill for the the Tiger Stadium show. Mm-hmm. Then Scott's you know drug problems prevented them. Like mm-hmm. talk about, I mean, they did all right for themselves having missed that uh, show. But can you imagine having STP? Because I think STP was supposed to have gone on longer and that's mm-hmm. why i think in fort wayne i saw the nixons open up yeah for kiss i just i missed a lot of bands like in the mid 90s there that i would have loved to have seen because i was working that job for the motion picture company at production companies at the time where i was traveling all the time and basically on a movie set or in a hotel room for like four or five years in the mid 90s so i missed out on a lot of concerts missed out on a lot of bands and you know, it's, you, it's sometimes you, I mean, you know, some point in time you have to grow up a little bit. A, a, a little. I miss a little. A, I miss some good bands uh, during the mid nineties out of it. Well, yeah. let's, let's kick it down to Xander. You mentioned this really briefly. Let's go into some co-headlining yeah. tours that, you know, we've had Motley Crue, we've had Def Leppard, we've had Aerosmith. So let's talk on the ones that you've seen. Let's start with you, Xander, for for notable ones, or if you've seen multiple. Let's uh, let's hear about the. Were there any flips? Did one band open to the next night, or did it run? You know, Motley, Kiss, or how? What, what was your experience with with those shows? For sure. Uh, real quickly, I wanted to get to one other uh, forgotten opener. Uh, so in 2010, when I saw them on the Hottest Show on Earth tour. 
they had a band called The Envy open for them. Does anybody remember The Envy? Oh, yeah. I completely forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, so they were one of the bands that Gene had signed to Simmons. They were a Canadian band, and they were signed to, I think, I think they were a Canadian band, and they were signed to Simmons Records, and they were the opening act on the North American Hottest Show on Earth tour. And other than an EP and maybe a, another tour opening for another big band after that, I haven't heard a single thing. I went looking and couldn't find a social media presence. I found their MySpace page, but what good is that? Um, so I, I was like, I'm really shocked because even though there wasn't really anything overly special about them, they were a very tight band. And watching them live, I mean, they were really good live, but their drummer was like entertaining to watch. Mm. Fantastic. So, and of course, I know there's three of us here that are drummers. So, you know, I'm always watching the drummer. So watching them, they were fantastic. But I thought about it and thought, I haven't heard a single thing out of them since then. But mm -hmm. um, anyway, getting to the co-headliners, yes. So Motley Crue was the first, well, I'm going to save Aerosmith for last. Come to me when we get to Aerosmith yeah. last. But um, <laughs> but with um, Motley Crue, we saw Motley Crue in 2012. This was the tour. Um, Kiss had uh, just announced Monster. It was coming out that fall. They had new costumes. I had never seen Motley Crue live. So that that show was very important for me. Uh, Jeb was there, and then we also brought my best friend Derek, who had never been to a concert in his life. Oh, and wow. So uh, we're seniors in high school, and I said, I'm taking you to see Kiss. He was just now getting into Kiss, the only friend of mine to actually, uh, you know, give Kiss a chance, if you will. And I said, well, let me take you to the concert and see what you think. And of course, about halfway through, shout out loud, he was like, I'm in. This is it. This is it. I'm, I'm a Kiss fan. <laughs> so, um, but no, I mean, seeing both Motley Crue and Kiss live the, uh, the same night was incredible. I'm a huge fan of Motley Crue. So uh, that was the one time I got to see them. I haven't seen them since. That was the one time I got to see them, but I'm glad I did. I've heard the same thing about uh, Vince Neil live that I've heard about Paul Stanley and Axl Rose and all that. And I just couldn't care less because both bands put on an amazing show. Uh, Saints of Los Angeles, Girls, Girls, Girls. I mean, Wild Side, they played every single song I wanted them to and more. It was an absolutely killer show. And so for me, having both of those bands on a double bill was was fantastic. And even though I think perhaps musically Def Leppard may have been better, I think I enjoyed the Motley Crue one more just because, again, I was a senior in high school. Everything was crazy and mm. um, I was so excited. But no, seeing Def Leppard was also the only time I got to see Def Leppard. So uh, that show was obviously very historical for me because, you know, they're a huge band, Def Leppard. Uh, I think Jeb's seen them like two or three times actually now. Um, they've toured with Ario Speedwagon and Tesla. So mm -hmm. um, Jeb's followed them around a couple of times. But that was my one only chance. And they also knocked it out of the park. Uh, their drummer is fantastic. Um, Joe Elliott, we all know, is great. Phil Collins. So um, that was an awesome show. I'll never forget that. I only took a few pictures. I wish I would have taken more because I was really excited for the spider and my phone at the time only had limited space. So uh. I didn't, I didn't really get that many pictures of Def Leppard, but I have my memories and, and they were fantastic. So um, I'm both those shows were fantastic in my book. Uh, Emily, what about you? Uh, any thoughts on the, the uh, co-headlining shows? Um, I wish I would have gone to see Kiss and Def Leppard because I think the 2014 show was like a week before my birthday and it was right um, kind of near where I live. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <I missed laughs> it. And then um, 
Um, well, I, I don't think I've never been to like a co-headliner, but when I saw Ace in 2021, he was touring of Alice Cooper. He was billed as a special guest, not the opener, but the mm. special guest. Mm. And I think he was given like 45 minutes rather than like just the half an hour. So that was interesting. It was cool to see Alice Cooper too. So that was very fun. But yeah, um, I, I know that um, I don't think they've done like many co-headline kiss mm-hmm. and Aerosmith kiss and Motley Crue kiss and Def Leppard, but yeah, um, I don't think Kiss likes doing co-headline. <laughs> to be honest, uh, Brant, what about you, man? Um, co-lining, co-lining tours. Don't think I saw Kiss on any co-lining tours. Um, it would have been interesting to see them with Motley Crue. Um, I've always been a fan, big fan of Motley Crue. Um, I saw Motley Crue from Shout It to Devil, Theater of Pain, Dr. Feel Good, Girls, Girls, Girls. I saw them all the way. I think I saw them twice on the Dr. Feel Good tour. Um, one time I think Bon Jovi opened up for them at some point in time. I can't hmm. remember. Um but I've never, I've never, I didn't go see them, you know, with like any of like the Aerosmith tours. I'm, I like Aerosmith's music not enough to really to go to go see them. Um, and like I said, there was a there was a period in time that I didn't go to Kiss shows. Period. Yeah. Like I said, first Kiss show in twenty years coming up. So I've not really seen Kiss since the reunion or since the farewell tour. So. Um, I'm just looking forward to finally seeing them again, regardless of who opens for them, who shows up, who's who, whether they have an opener or not, whether they have a painter, uh, you know, it doesn't, at this point in time, it doesn't matter to me who opens up for them. Um, or if they have no opener at all, maybe heck, heck yeah. You know, they don't have no opener at all. Then give me as much kiss as I can get. I know we're, you know, we're going to get the show, but um, I'm just looking forward to, but it, you know, I would have probably in hindsight, I would have probably would have liked to go see maybe the Def Leppard um, co- co-headliner, the Motley Crue co-headliner. That would have been just really interesting to, to, to see. After uh, 2010, the wife and I kind of took a break from Kiss concert. She's like, okay, we saw Kiss on the Alive 35. We saw the hottest show on earth. So I remember when, you know, I don't know if it was Motley or Def Leppard was the next one coming around. She's like, can we go do something else? And it was just kind of like, uh, okay. So I, I missed you know, the Motley show. I missed the Def Leppard show, but we had seen Def Leppard previously um, on the uh, Yeah album. And I think they were with um, Ario Speedwagon. Oh, it was uh, Journey, uh, Def Leppard and Journey on, on that tour. And I got to see Def Leppard in 96 on the Slang Tour, which I thought was, uh, excuse me, 90, 94 on the uh, on the Slang album tour, which which was really cool. So, Xander, you were talking about Aerosmith. I'll I'll give my take. Did, and that was your first show, right? Your very yeah. first Kiss show. So that was it. I'll go first. And we'll, we'll come down to you, see what you say. Great. So Aerosmith, again, was one of those bands I really wanted to see. It just never worked out time-wise and being in school and different things. So when that tour happened, I was really excited. I was a little bummed that Eric Singer wasn't 
in the band. I thought, oh, that'd have been really kind of cool. I understood from the symphony that Xander and Jeb so eloquently did on their last episode talking about that they wanted three fourths and Ace was like, no, not doing it. So they had to ask Eric to step out for Peter to come in. So I was like, okay, it doesn't really matter who's in the band. I just, I was really excited to see Aerosmith and I was really excited to see Kiss. The night I saw them, Kiss went on first. And I thought, oh yeah, let's see how Aerosmith, you know, follows this. And I remember getting partway through the Kiss show going, it's so slow. I had not heard I Love It Loud. It was just so plodding. And buddy of mine was kind of ripping on me. He was a big Aerosmith fan. He goes, Kiss is going to put me to sleep, man. And I'm going, no, no, that's all right. You know, it's cool. And I remember thinking like, Peter, speed up. Speed up, play, dude, play. Kiss didn't like Emily. You kind of said it like it. It was like Kiss agreed to do this tour, but I didn't feel like I was seeing a full one hundred percent Kiss show. Like it, it was, it was lacking something. So Kiss show was good. It was great. Aerosmith came out, and that was the honking on the Bobo album. I remember going, oh, all right. You know, those songs were, but once they started hitting dreams, dream on ragdoll, Janie's got a gun. I went, I don't think if I was keeping score, I don't think kiss won that night. I have to give the win to Aerosmith. They put on such a great, great show. And that was the thing we were talking all the way home about. And I remember thinking I went and saw kiss but I'm spending more time talking about Aerosmith. So that was the one kiss show that I saw that I was like, I, I don't know if it was just a co-headliner and being in that spot of like, Oh, I'd hate to follow kiss. I was like, I think you kind of hated to follow Aerosmith. So I'm curious what, what, what you have to say. Cause I, the people that I could talk to about it, we all had the same thoughts. So I want to hear if like another night, cause we were Columbus and I don't know if they, started with you then came to us i'd have to look back at the uh, itinerary to see the order so xander uh, yeah well i'll tell you what hearing your side of the story is refreshing because i've never heard anybody say that aerosmith um blew kiss off the stage or really? or did better or yeah whatever and this is what i love about this conversation because over the last 20 years i've heard one thing consistently and that was steven tyler made the wrong decision having kiss go on first and then aerosmith go on last now again i was like 10 so my memory is probably whatever but here's what i can recall so again it's my first kiss concert i'm very excited uh jeb he's in kindergarten i'm in third grade we're just oh, wow. excited we're excited to be there um i can think back to when my parents saw kiss on psycho circus tour i was three and they were going and um they wouldn't take me i was livid i was so mad <laughs> <laughs> so when they came back after the farewell, uh, farewell tour, dad made sure to, you know, uh, take us. So Jeb and I got to go and I heard in the crowd, people were talking that Kiss was coming on first and Aerosmith would be coming on uh, second. My dad kept saying, no, that's ridiculous. That's stupid. That's never going to happen. Kiss doesn't, you know, Kiss doesn't come on in broad daylight. That's not how those, that's not how this works. So to me, it was a useless conversation because I was like, look, Kiss is going to be here. They're going to play what does it matter? Again, I wasn't really understanding that, you know, Kiss, you know, packs a punch and, you know, their show is, you know, this thing to behold. I mean, I knew it, but I hadn't witnessed it yet. So I'm thinking, who cares who goes on first or last? We're going to get Kiss first. That's good. So 
Kiss comes on and just absolutely annihilates. As soon as Aerosmith goes on, the crowd is spent. The crowd is exhausted. Mm. Nobody, nobody's really has any energy left. I'm not even kidding when I say that Jeb fell asleep after Aeros or after Kiss came on. Jeb passed out. Jeb was asleep, <laughs> and uh, Aerosmith comes out and they play um, what's that song? Let the music do the talking. Yeah, uh, the first song. And I thought that was a kind of subtle jab at Kiss because, you know, I know that Steven always, you know, he doesn't really like Kiss that much. And so I felt like he's always saw Kiss as just clowns and a gimmick. There was that, I think a few years ago, he and Paul were back and forth in the media mm. for a minute. Um, Steven had said something about Kiss being clowns or whatever. So that kind of, um, you know, put him in his place there. But anyway, so yeah, Kiss goes on and absolutely annihilates. Nobody has that any makes energy feel left. As soon as Aerosmith goes on, um, I'm not even kidding when I say by I think the song we left, we walked out um, after I think Pink. They were they were playing the song Pink, mm. and um, Dad said, "Come on, let's go, let's beat traffic." Well, you know what's funny <laughs> is that a lot of people also had the same thought wow. because wow. we were we were fighting to get out, squeezing. Dad said, "Hold hands, I let go," and you know we're squeezing to get out because. A lot of people were like, well, we saw what we needed to see. You know, there's nothing that Aerosmith can do that can top that. You know, the blood spitting, the fire breathing, the flying. I mean, there's nothing they can do. So everybody, I'm not, I'm not going to say like half the crowd. That's ridiculous. But yeah. I'm going to say a good 15, 20% of the crowd. A lot of, of, of us in the lawn who only spent probably 50, 60 bucks max, you know, we were already headed out. We got what we wanted. We got our money's worth. I'm sure everybody else who paid probably 100 bucks, 200 bucks, you know, they probably stayed to get their money's worth, but all of us in the lawn, man, we said there's no reason to stay. We got what we wanted, we got what we needed. So, and and everybody I've talked to on that uh, that Salt Kiss on that tour has said that having Aerosmith go on second was just a bad mistake because after Kiss's show, their pyro, it's like they wore the audience out to the point that you know Aerosmith comes out and they're trying to even if they tried to you know be extra energetic, the crowd is they're sweated, they're they're sweating, they're tired, they're drunk, they're done. <laughs> <laughs> So I must have just we must have just had an off night or, or whatever, or or we were the ones that had the issue. You know what's funny? Um, I went and looked at their set list. Um, this is years later, but I went back and looked at Aerosmith's set list uh from that tour, and shortly after the Indianapolis show, they stopped playing pink. I don't know if it has to do with the fact that lots of folks were walking out during that show, but it just so happened that when we walked out about maybe five or six shows later, they, they stopped playing it. It was dropped oh. and it got, something else got put in, but they had like a bunch of pink lights on set. And I remember the, that the, the song really isn't that great. And it's like, they are, kiss already did Beth. What are you trying to do? It's like, there's no, I'm not sure if they play Beth or not, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, we've already seen kiss do their thing. Nothing you guys can do is going to excite or thrill. Now, again, I was 10 years old and that could be a faded memory, but, it sounds you like know, a great memory. <laughs> ours was um, August 17th, 03. So we're coming up on 20 years here in the next week or two. So I'm not sure when your show was, but ours was August 17th. I'd have to go back and look. I've got the same book Emily has. I don't have it in front of me to figure out where the Columbus, Ohio show was. But uh, I don't think yeah. it goes to that. The Kiss Alive Forever. It like oh. oh, it stops at, stops at Farewell, yeah. Yeah. I'd have to look at Julian Gill's um, big, thick, huge book that's got everything. <laughs> 
Xander, so, the Xander, the look on yours and Jeb's faces in y'all's last video when y'all realized y'all were coming up on twenty year anniversary of y'all's first kiss show was classic. Y'all yeah, looked at each uh, other. Y'all looked at each other like, "Wow, we just got old in like a matter just, of seconds." Yeah. <laughs> like that, we just got old. <laughs> that was the moment you saw it on camera, filmed. Yeah, that was like, oh boy, man. Can you believe that? Yeah, even in the beginning, I was like, how can something from our generation, like Kiss Alive 4, is turning 20? It just seems like it was yesterday or last year or whatever, and here we are 20 years later. But, yeah, Rob, what you got there? Is that the Kiss? This is a Julian Gill's. Oh, um, yeah. Big, huge, you know. This is like the Bible Encyclopedia Britannica all wrapped into one. There's the, you know, the image for the. Oh, yeah. But I'll, I'll have to scroll through while we're talking here. So, you know, my, I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Saliva was also an opener. I yes. didn't see them, but they opened yes. on that Aerosmith tour. And unfortunately, I think their lead singer passed away earlier this year. I read that. That Josie was awful. Scott, really? I'm pretty sure somebody from Saliva. Saliva was never really made it big. Yeah, they were like so good. Right on the cusp. Like always, I'd love that tune. They were playing at Louder Than Life, like when we saw Kiss. They were playing the same weekend, the same night or something. And then mm. like a month later, I heard that uh, their lead singer had passed away, like after a show or something. Or That's it was, crazy. It was awful. I felt so terrible. There we go. August 19th, Jermaine Amphitheater, Columbus, Ohio. So two nights later. Wow. Two nights cool. later. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Makes so maybe sense, maybe Kiss was just spent from having done your show, <laughs> and they're like, "We've got nothing for Ohio," and then they probably kicked it up the next <laughs> night. That's funny. Hey, you never know. So, um, my wife just got home, which spurred, you know, has there been an, an opening band you can put this into Kiss or whatever that you were like, "Oh my gosh, it's this band," or there was just my wife's exact words were. I don't care if the world is on fire and the only way to not risk getting burnt is to go see Buck Cherry, but I am never going to see Buck Cherry ever again. Don't ever. Are they that bad? <laughs> she, 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 she just said, you got that right. <laughs> They're one of those bands that is not good live. They're not. really. If, if you like not. Buck Cherry, we saw them twice in we have a little county fair down the road from us. It was Hinder, Papa Roach tore it up. Papa Roach was fantastic. And Buck Cherry opened. And my, she, my wife would say, the lead singer is all tattooed up, which she's like, not a problem. He's got a big jack on the back of his back. And all he does the whole entire show is jump up and down and say the F word over and over and over again. So I'm taking her to see Kiss for the very first time on the Alive 35 tour. The last night at Cobo Hall, which was like a bucket list, being able to see Kiss, the very last show at Cobo Hall, and they were recording for a VHS and DVD that never came out. Of course. So maybe Sam Loomis will get a hold of it somewhere. Uh, but uh, <laughs> fingers crossed. Shh, don't say that name. It'll get you a copyright strike. Uh, copyright strike. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so we're going to the show and I'm one of those. I want to get there. I want to get to early. I want to get to the merch booth and I'm kind of dragging getting there because I know who the opening band is. So we're kind of going through, we're taking pictures. She's like, well, come on, let's go. I'm like, no, I, I want to get good pictures of Cobo hall. This could be the last time. And she's like, okay, what is going on? You want to get to your seats. You want to find your seat. You want to get to the merch booth. And I'm just like dilly dallying. 
and she stops and goes, is that that song? Crazy bitch. Is that, is that what's playing right now? She looks at me and she goes, Robert, who is opening this show? And I said, um, keep in mind. I love you. You're seeing kiss for the very first time. She's like, is this buck cherry? <laughs> yeah. She's like, why didn't you tell me? And I was like, for this very reason, right here. I didn't here. want to hear it. <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> I can I can't quite hear what she's saying, but uh, maybe I'll have to something? I'll have to maybe give her a, a voice over. I'll I'll edit her somewhere into this and give her, you know, unbiased opinion of Buck Cherry. Oh my goodness, that's so funny. I don't think it's unbiased. What, what she just said, <laughs> I would pencil? rather put a pencil through through my eye. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty biased. <laughs> Yeah, but so it's that not, but it's not far from the truth. Yeah, so that that was my one band. Like, I'm like, oh, they're not that bad. But I remember at the end of the show, like, oh, come on, let's let's get to Kiss. That was the one time I was like, okay, let's let, let's get to the main act. Does anybody have uh, any like opening act stories, we're, regardless if it's with Kiss or not? That you were just like, I I maybe not that bad. Where you were just like, I I really don't care. Let's let's get to that. We'll save the painter for for last. <laughs> For sure. I was going to say the painter would be the only one that actually ended up being kind of a, a pause. Like I thought that he was going to be like a dud, but yeah, ended up being pretty cool. But we'll talk about that in a minute. But I can't think of any any opening acts that just outright sucked or I didn't look forward to. Brand, do you have any? I went and saw Rat one time and um, a company called uh, a band at the time called um, London Choir, Bo- not London Choir Boys, um, Electric. Oh, what's their name? Um, Electric Boys or something like that. Mm. Open okay. for them. And I remember thinking, eh, you know, I just want to see Rat. Man, this, I still listen to their debut album to this day. I, oh, I'm wow. actually, I was listening to it the other day while I was cutting grass. And I was like, man, I'm going to do an obscure 80s band or early 90s band that you've never heard of that you listen, you need to listen to this CD or, you know, do like a little series of that because. Um, the Electric Boys that they kind of blew me away. I was when Rat took the stage, I was still kind of like, "What?" Um, <laughs> they they kind of blew me away. They were really good. And um, let's see. Um, I remember one time we went and saw uh, Striper open for Ozzy Osbourne. That was very wow. interesting. Um, that was in the Grady Cole so Center. Cool. That was it. Was really cool because Ozzy was very Ozzy didn't have nothing but good to say about Striper. And Striper, it was on the um, it was the uh, it was the album after Soldiers Under Command. Um, to help uh, yeah. the devil, to help the devil, to yeah. help the devil tour, which was an amazing, amazing tour. I wish I would have saw them then. I didn't see them till they reunited mm-hmm. in 04, and I've seen the last couple tours here, there. Yeah, I got hit in the head with the Bible. Oh. A little, little Bible that they that they threw out. They throw them out, and I got hit in the head with one, and it kind of bounced up. And I went to go and I went to go reach for it, and a hand came over me and grabbed it, and it was gone. Every oh. once in a while, you'll see those the Bibles uh, hit up on eBay an original. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would Bible. love to get the the New Testament, you know, Striper mm-hmm. Bible. I think that'd be really cool. Striper's got, got a really again. good show. Robert Sweet yeah. is a beast. Oh, he, Robert Sweet's a monster. He's man. Just, uh, he's he's still a monster. They're still putting out good music. Oh yeah, Michael Sweet still sounds really good. Um, yeah, I saw uh, saw Warrant one time open for somebody. Can't remember who they opened for. Maybe for Cinderella, or maybe it was the other way around. 
But I remember thinking, man, that was that was like two opening acts. Um, I think Warrant was still on there. It was before Cherry Pie. It was their um, Dirty Rotten Filthy Stinking Rich album. Oh, yeah. Um, that was before they started having a whole bunch of hits. Very um, cool. They opened for Paul, didn't they, on his solo tour? I think. I'm Who did Warrant? Warrant? I, I don't. Warrant. I saw Paul's uh, Live to Win tour. And no, I, I'm sorry. No, the other uh, 89, 89. Oh, 89. Oh, oh, the yeah, you might be right. I think I think they did because they were touring for Dirty Rotten, Filthy Stick and Rich. I think I could be wrong, but I thought they'd open for uh, Paul on his solo tour. Hmm. Do you have any Emily that you saw, or were, has everything been kind of good? Well, not seen? me, but my, in 1992, I think like either late August or early September of 92, a couple of weeks before my parents got married, they saw U2 and they hated the opening act. I can't remember who it was, but they hated but they the opening suck. act. <laughs> yeah, they sucked. Um, they hated the opening act and like it was cold. They were, they had, they were like, they had lawn seats. They were under the blanket and they, they just thought, well, this, they didn't even want to stay. It's like, oh, well, we, we should stay for U2. But like right now, we're not getting our money's worth. Man, um, yeah, here if you wait right here, I can go ask my dad who opened. <laughs> sure. Yeah, go for it. While well, she's away, oh no, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was gonna say she just made me think of something. Like that's one of those things of going to see an outdoor venue, of going like, what's the weather gonna be like? How, especially when the pandemic was going on, the dates were really fluid. You know, mm -hmm. the last time that I saw Kiss outside, which, you know, we've been saying this for a while. This is the last time I'm seeing Kiss. And then there's another show. Yeah. <laughs> My wife just laughed. But it rained the entire show. Not until Paul flew on Love Gun that the sun came out or the sun came out. The moon, <laughs> the moon came out. But we were drenched. And even a really great concert when you're just soaking wet, you're just mm -hmm. like. Man, it needs to let up, but I, we felt like every song was just getting, it was raining louder and louder. And we thought, if there's a lightning strike, they're going to stop the show. But it's one of those like rain or shine. It, it, luckily, it didn't. But I remember thinking, wow, this is how I end my my Kiss concert series. Yeah. So soaking wet, muddy, but I'm glad it's still continuing. So, uh, do you, who was it? Uh, they, well, they, my parents, I didn't hate them, but it just wasn't like that type of style that they were expecting. It was Public Enemy who opened for you. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> In 1992. Wow. Wow. You two and odd. Public Enemy on. That's, that's going. That's from, diverse. Yeah, yeah. That's going from the that's rock like station. Paint, to the... That's like having a painter open for you. <laughs> since, since Brant mentioned it, let's let's talk about the painter. I was I was excited when David Lee Roth was announced. Like, okay, I saw Van Halen with Gary Sharon. I never got to see uh, Van Halen with Sammy Hagar. I saw Sammy by himself after he had left Van Halen and Kenny Wayne Shepherd opened up. Fantastic show all the way around. So I was like, well, this will be kind of cool to see David Lee Roth. And of course, that didn't happen. And we we missed the painter the very first time in Toledo because we were, you know, buying, you know, merch and stuff like that and got to our seats and we're like, when's the painter take place? And the guys were like, he's been up and gone already. I was like, how long were we out there? So we had seen the painter three more times since then. 
And, you know, Emily, you said he, he did very well, but I remember thinking this is just really strange, bizarre, you know, it's like an art exhibit going on, which I love art. It just, it was really weird. Like I'm at a concert and like, okay, he's painting stuff like, Oh, that's a statue of Liberty. And then he's doing kiss upside down it was really cool. But I would have never thought you would have had somebody with a medium, you know, paints acrylics or whatever it is up there. So how, how many times have you seen the painter Xander? Oh, I can't even count. <laughs> I, I can't even count. Uh, let's see if I've seen, if I've seen seven shows, I mean, I've probably seen him. Let's see. He was there in Louisville. He was there uh, in Cincinnati, and he was there in Indianapolis. Fort, no, Fort Wayne was David Lee Roth. Uh, he was there in Tinley Park. So at least four or five times. Yeah. Mm. Brant never had the pleasure. Emily, you saw the painter, yes? Yeah, I saw the painter twice. Um, First at the United Center in 2019. And, like, I don't know. I mean – it was fun to get a crowd not going, but like engaged, I guess is the correct term, but like were people like totally eyes glued to the center. No people were getting up, going to the bathroom, getting their merch, um, just getting their snacks, whatever. And it was kind of like, well, this is interesting and you're doing a great job. And this is all for charity, I think, because he auctioned off the painting for charity. But it's like, what? This is what Kiss is doing on their final tour ever. And then he did it. um, We saw them in the Tinley Park show as well in 2021. And it's just like, okay, well, I've seen the painter once. Do I have to see him again? And I, I guess like, yeah. I'll say this. Um, whenever I heard the tour uh, was announced and they said they were going to have David Garibaldi, a, a performance artist, opening up for them, I thought it was false news. I thought that whoever you know published that was 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 so did I publishing you know false information Fake to, news. Get, to get to get Kiss fans riled up and get us all up because they were folks that were like livid. They were wanting cheap trick. They were wanting Judas Priest. They were wanting you know, a big name band. And so they add, they named David Garibaldi. And I was like, eh, I don't think it's the right choice, but I'll, I'll wait and see. And three nights before that show, we saw uh, Metallica at the same exact venue. And opening for Metallica was a comedian. <laughs> and and when I heard that a, that a comedian was going to be opening, I thought, what in the world? Now, this comedian was Jim Brewer. And I don't know if anybody knows who uh, he is. I know Jim Brewer is. He yeah. is absolutely funny. So all of a sudden, it was clicking. I said, okay, hang on a minute. Here we go. So Jim Brewer comes out. He's doing his James Hetfield impre- impression. It's absolutely hilarious. He um, he calls out the, the, the youngest kiss the, or the youngest fan in the audience and the oldest fan in the audience, does his whole comedic shtick. It's absolutely hilarious. And then Metallica comes on and absolutely annihilates. And I'm thinking, okay, I think it's starting to make sense. I can't wait to see what happens at this Kiss show. So we get to the Kiss show again. It's about two or three nights later. And David Garibaldi comes out. And, of course, he starts just throwing paint at the canvas. And I'm literally going, what is he doing? (laughs) What am I watching? And I'm almost kind of embarrassed, like secondhand embarrassed, because I'm like, I'm not getting it. And all of a sudden he goes, boom. 
and flips it over and it's freaking slash or something and yeah. i'm like whoa oh oh here we go so now i'm guessing now i'm trying to guess at who who he's got and it's it's jimmy hendrix or it's you know ozzy or alice cooper whoever it is you know and then of course he does the big kiss painting at the end and yeah they all go to i think it's called crew nation is what the the charity oh, was. yeah they raised money for like crews and they actually raised over half a million on the first leg alone so regardless of how the fans were feeling i mean they were doing some really really good stuff and yeah. um after seeing him the first time i really it really validated it for me especially seeing jim brewer with metallica it helped make it make more sense i thought and and, and i agree with emily the crowd wasn't really that into it nobody was like i think as mind blown as i was once i got invested i was like okay i'm invested now uh but yeah after two three four five times it kind of you know gets to be old but that's my problem for going to multiple shows but <laughs> even though i thought it was kind of an odd choice i think in the end i kind of see it although mm -hmm. when i saw david lee roth i was like oh this is, this is amazing this is great i had never seen van halen or david lee roth live before so that was a real treat kind of like again def leppard motley crew special moment so in the end i really didn't i really didn't mind david garibaldi in the end I think, you know, that was our takeaway. Again, like you said, seeing multiple shows, like, okay, I've I've seen it once, but I remember a John Lennon was one that he had done. I mm -hmm. might have even been at the Clarkston, Michigan show where he spun that around. And the whole crowd was just like, oh, like the, the reveal was, was yeah, pretty good. Yeah, now it makes sense. Like, yeah. oh, snap. Okay, now I'm seeing, I'm picking up what you're putting down. So I think once people kind of like, if they actually watched it, it'd be kind of cool. But yeah, most folks were just going to the merch stand, using it to go to the bathroom. Emily, were you at um, Tinley Park, you said? Yeah, the 2021 show. Yeah. That is so cool. I, I was there with you. I, we must have, I'm not sure where you were, but we were together in spirit because I was there too. And at that show, I was like, yeah, I've seen the painter a few times. So we kind of moseyed around. Jeb and I went and looked at some um, merch. We went and we bought the end of the road hoodies. We saw some stage play drum heads and basically used that time to kind of hang out. So it it's too bad I didn't run into you because I I was handing out like I got um um I was handing out these like Ace Fraley guitar picks. Nice, that would have been awesome I to was. get one. That yeah, been cool. I wish I could have sent you one, but um, for sure. I, there was this little boy dressed as Ace, and I could tell it was Ace because he had the blue eyeshadow. Mm, nice. <laughs> um, and I'm like, here, do you want this? I was told to give these out. Do you want? Do you want this? Um. He's really guitar pick, and his dad like flipped out. He was like four <laughs> years old. <laughs> that is super cool. Uh, Nick and Nico were also at that Tinley Park show. Oh, How about that? Yeah. How about that? So it's gonna be a real. It's gonna be a reunion, Chicago reunion. <laughs> <laughs> Brent, Brent, and I have to excuse ourselves off to the other side. Look at all these Tinley Park people. Like, <laughs> nah, all right, we are one. Well, that's right. That's okay, we'll be part of the family in in a few months. Well. In closing here, one of the last topics I had, this this flew by. I looked at the clock and went like, man, we're already at an hour. Um, in the text thread that I had to all of us, does now we are at the end of the road, does KISS need an opening act to usher in the end of their road? You know, do does KISS need to just come out? There's no painter. There's no nothing. I think Skid Row had done a few dates over in the in the UK, which would be kind of cool to see Skid Row with their new lead singer. 
but does kiss need an opening act or do you speculate does bruce Kulick's band open up does ace freely open up or whatever so talk on that as we wrap this up does kiss need something to say goodbye to all of us bring in something like cheap trick or is it just them thank you good night uh let's start with uh, let's start with brant on this one no they don't need they don't I, I don't need an opening band. I don't need a painter. I don't need cheap trick, anything, honestly. And I can't think of any band that I liked back in the day or like now that would come out that kiss could have come out. I would feel like, I know that I'm not going to get, if, if I got more kiss, you know, I, but I know you're probably not going to get more kiss because they're always going to have, they're going to have their set list. And if, if an open band was going to make them cut their set list short, even one song, I don't want yeah. it. Um, I want an evening of kiss and an evening of celebration. Um, me personally, I don't need an opening band at this point. Maybe if it was Ace Fraley's band, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, yeah. That, that would be cool in my eyes to, if Ace and Peter aren't going to take the stage, it would be cool to see, you know, them. I, I'm going to go last. Emily. <laughs> okay. Um, do I think they need one? No. At this point, you know, people know you're here for us. Like, let's just be real. You're coming to see us. Um, now, here's something that I heard a rumor about. Mm. Evan Stanley and his whatever band he has is going to oh. be the opener on the u.s like now is that true I, I don't know i think at I've this moment rumors. it's just hearsay but mm -hmm. that would be interesting but in the same vein odd because it's like oh that's paul's son this is nepotism a little bit but it, i mean would it be cool yes but it, would it be kind of like no one knows what like band he's in or whatever um, personally, I mean, it'd be cool if they got Cheap Trick. I I, I want to see Cheap Trick, but do, mm. it, would I be disappointed if they don't get them? No. But at this point, um, I think the Evan Stanley rumor is heating up at this moment. But mm. do they need one? No. <laughs> Xander? I agree with everybody. I don't think they need one. I really don't. I don't think that we need, uh, like Brant said, another band coming in, taking attention away from Kiss, cutting uh, songs from Kiss's set list. I don't need some band coming out saying, hey, go buy our new album. You know, some band kind of promoting their new album when the main focus should be Kiss's last tour. I think that's, you know, the main focus. I think Kiss is at a point in their career where they don't even need opening bands. I felt like for a while, maybe those Motley Crue and Def Leppard tours were kind of ways to, you know, sell out those bigger shows was to have those bands come on. After they did the uh, Def Leppard tour, they went and did the Freedom to Rock tour uh, by themselves well they had dead daisies but it wasn't a co-headliner and they were playing to half of those size shows so i thought well maybe kiss you know was using those bigger bands to sell bigger places but i saw kiss on this end of the road tour in the exact same place i saw both def leppard and kiss and all three were sold out whether or not there was an opening band or not so kiss doesn't need an opening band they don't need a co-headliner they don't even need a painter but i think because they do want to give somebody a platform hey let's give this painter a platform let's raise some money for charity mm -hmm. uh yeah i have also heard the evan stanley rumor um whether it happens or not i don't know but yeah that would be kind of weird because not that 
Evans, uh, obviously he's a great musician, but it, it would be, it'd be kind of like, um, I forget what um, Slipknot, I forget what Corey's and uh, Sean's son's band's name is, Vended oh, or something. Yeah. But um, it'd be like them opening up for Slipknot, which would be fine, but it's it's kind of, yeah, like you said, it's kind of like nepotism in a way. Um, I wouldn't be against it, but I think that it would just be best for Kiss to just do Kiss be kiss yeah. even if even if it means one or two more songs or a longer drum solo or a longer um more paul banter just give me more kiss and keep the focus on kiss if bruce's band or ace's band wants to open that's fine but i think realistically those bands probably wouldn't open for kiss i don't know if they would want to open um but time will tell but as far as the question do they need an opening band nah i'm in i'm in the same boat I could probably list 50 bands that I all oh, great to see the, the cheap tricks, the Judas priest, you know, people that they had somewhere in, in their past, the Evan Stanley thing. I could see that would be a spot. Like we don't have to have a big, huge name band. We could put my son's band up there. They're going to play for potato chips. They're going to fill that spot just so there's some type of music and we'll go about, you play your half hour, be in out and done. But I think just the anticipation of being in those crowds talking with the group of us or just any show that you're seeing on this final leg, there's going to be enough people in your sections or where, wherever you're at to just be talking and milling around with the kiss, the kiss army, the kiss family. I don't think that's the opening act. I think we are the opening act for kiss and we're going to be so excited about it, but that is where we're going to put a pin in this. I thought this would be a fun Little episode sometimes. This is like stopping at the rest stop on the way to Rosemont. Like, all right, we need to potty break it out, stretch our <laughs> arms before we get back into something big. So Brant's been, I'm going to steal from Brant here a little bit. So every September, I've had the idea we're going to review a Kiss solo album. So I've decided we did Ace Freely uh, last September and I still have to try and save the audio file. So if you're listening, like, hey, Rob, your Ace Freely episode for the 78 solo album, it isn't working. Yeah, the file's corrupted. I got to try and save it. So there's a temp file in its place. So over Xander's right shoulder, someone is looking at us, and it's Uncle Gene. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're... you're oh, my right. You're, yeah. you're right, yeah. You're yeah. right, my left. So... I'm thinking we're not going to review this 78 solo album here, obviously, but not necessarily a nine, but underrated gene songs on the road to Rosemont. We were kind of, everybody was kind of struggling to try and put a, a gene song in there. And that got me thinking like Gene's got some great songs. What are some hidden gem gene songs that you're like, man, this song is, so good it didn't make my rosemont playlist but my gene simmons list so i don't know if this is going to be another nine but so everybody's hearing this for the first time the topic is going to be underrated gene songs songs that just didn't get the love for whatever reason that you think this song is cool it's going to be a show all about gene on our next episode so before I let everybody go, where can people find your channels, see what you have going on and where they can reach out to you and say, hey, I'm going to Rosemont too. Uh, let's start the way we've started this whole thing. Let's start with Xander. Where can people find your channel and get a hold of you, sir? 
Check us out on Facebook at Kiss Army Things and also follow us and like us on Facebook and Instagram uh, also at Kiss Army Things. Uh, our podcast is mainly a video podcast, so YouTube is where we like to stay. So check out our channel. We have uh, not only a Kiss podcast, but also other Kiss videos. We're making our best content right now, so please check us out. we got a video coming this Sunday. I'm not sure when this is going up, but either way, check us out on Kiss Army Things because we have some awesome videos coming and plenty more to come after that. So thank you. Thank you for having me on, by the way. And sir, other people are seeing your work and it's winding up on other websites saying, hey, this guy's going through and doing some editing of Kiss Meets Fam of the Park. How How is that that your work is getting noticed by by other people in the in the kiss community on on a another big kiss website too and props to that by the way sir somebody must have sent peter arquette the link because i was sent a, a picture of my video on kiss asylum and said oh my gosh look at this and i thought well how did that get there and i actually was emailing peter about something different because he runs kiss museum and I'm their number one customer. Um, <laughs> but but uh, I was emailing um, Peter about something else. And he said, wait a minute, aren't you the guy that did the?" And I said, yeah. And he goes, dude, great job. Somebody sent me that. And so I put it on the website and thought, well, thank you. I appreciate that. So I guess somebody uh, who sends him stuff said, hey, put this up there. It's pretty cool. And that was that was crazy. So I, I've, I can think back to eighth grade when I was on Kiss Asylum looking at info for the upcoming Kiss Expo. Mm -hmm. So to have a YouTube video up on there is pretty cool. Yeah. Emily, what about you and your channel? Uh, okay, so I'm on YouTube under my name, just Emily Graziano. And then I'm on Instagram and Twitter at FlapperDame16. Brant, what about you, sir, from your undisclosed location, the designated survivor, Brant? <laughs> um, uh, YouTube in my head channel and uh, basically Twitter, Instagram in my head channel. You just search uh, both of those. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just going to be, I appreciate anybody watching, anybody subscribing that, that watches over there and watches over here and on Xander's channel and Emily's channel and any of the other podcasters. I got some cool stuff coming up myself. Um, going to be continuing with the, um, uh, the uh, fixing the Kiss albums. Uh, going to have that coming up again. Going to be returning to that with uh, uh, John Be Good um, and the next Kiss album. I've been talking to another um, podcast that's been going on about a year, a smaller channel, but they're definitely growing. Um, it's uh, Peter and uh, John uh, over on uh, the Music of Kiss. Oh, yeah. they have a they have a great channel. If you've not yep. seen those guys, check them out. We are going to be getting together. Uh, and we're going to be making a video about what would we do to fix Dynasty. Mm. Okay. So cool. that's going to be a real cool uh, video. And I've just got some other videos I'm working on in the hopper. Uh, you know, we're always, uh, we have, I'm trying to get on about a monthly rotation of, of videos, having it in our heads about a quarter, having some fix and kiss videos, uh, having looking at stuff in my uh, kiss collection and, I put the kiss puzzle together the other day. It was three whole pieces. If anybody's seen that video, if anybody's seen that video uh, I opened the box for the first time since I bought it uh, earlier in the year. And whoever owned the puzzle before me had put the puzzle together ahead of time and took it apart in just three sections. So I opened it up. Here's these three sections just stacked on top of each other. Perfect. 
So a, it took and me, done. Yeah, I was just like, <laughs> poop, 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 done. Okay, now what I'm going to talk about for the next 20 minutes. So um, that's but, funny. And I ended up showing up, pulled out my kiss jackets and showed them uh, still in the bags and showed those off. Um, you know, it's just a opportunity to just a lot of people, they don't, they see these things behind us, but they never really get to see somebody playing with it or, or holding it or using it or looking at it in detail and letting them see in it. So they really love to, viewers really love to live like vicariously through uh, us showing off our collections and showing what we have. And, um, you know, so I, that's, uh, that's basically what I got going on. And I got some other ideas, uh, other ideas bouncing around in, in the back of my head, done some things to change the channel up a little bit. My good buddy here created me a logo. I poke him in the side of the head. Oh, uh, he created me a logo. Um, and so it's on the, it's at the beginning of my video, the, the skeleton, the, the skeleton head. And then my little, uh, my little, I was bored one night. So my little, in my head at the beginning of my video that I stole, I kind of ripped off from the, the track in my head. Um, I pulled another video. I pulled another part of the song later in it. When Gene goes up and goes, they're in my head, he goes higher up and I layered in over it. So you get the first low in my head. And then the second one is a low in my head with a high in my head layered over it. Just a little, just little things, just doing stuff to just, add some flair here and there and keep it fresh and do something when I get bored. So, <laughs> so yeah, I appreciate everybody. I appreciate you having me over on your channel. I love being on everybody's channels, uh, you know, and all the other channels I've been on and I really enjoy it. And I enjoy having you guys on my channel as well. It's always a good time. And here we are August, you know, the, I, I know everybody says like, boy, the year's flying by. I really feel like this year's kind of zipping by just with mm -hmm. everything we've had going on at home. And then just looking at it going, wow, I'm my list of ideas for the Rosemont stuff. I'm like, oh, I'm do, do yeah. we really want to do this one where I'm we're checking stuff off here. So mm -hmm. Nick and Nico aren't here tonight. You can go check out their show at uh, their other show at Vigilante 1939, where it's all superheroes, Star Wars comics, which was just our last episode. If you're in time, it's not out yet, but we looked at the 1977 kiss comic with the real kiss blood. So oh, yeah, that'd be a fun one. Everybody hasn't seen it or heard it yet, but by the time you're seeing this, it's already been out and we got some other stuff in the side. I'll just move this up to the screen really quick. I just got this in the mail oh, yesterday. Nice. nice. So this oh, is yes. so good. Yeah. I, I can't wait to hear it. And uh, I believe we're going to have an interview with these guys. And speaking of a drummer, Charlie Bonanti from Anthrax uh, plays drums on this. So it'd be kind of cool. And maybe hopefully, score charlie but if he's still playing with pantera well maybe not but uh you can follow us on all our social medias at the beginning of the channel but primarily we're on we're an audio and we're starting to do more video stuff like you are seeing right here so come back in a month for the next installment on the road to rosemont when we're going to look at the gene simmons underrated tracks It'll probably be a nine because those are always kind of fun to do. So we'll see everybody on the next episode. For Brant, Emily, Xander, I'm Robin, missing our Nick and Nico. You've been watching Right Between the Eyes with a whole bunch of generations of KISS fans going to Rosemont to go see KISS. We'll see you in the next episode. Take care.
You've been listening to Right Between the Eyes, a KISS podcast. All music and sound clips belong to their respected copyright holders. No infringement is intended in any way by this show. It's used to enhance your listening pleasure and to make the show come more alive. So if Gene could not send his lawyers, that would be amazing. You can get a hold of us a few different ways. We are on Twitter at RBTE Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Right Between the Eyes Podcast. We are also on Instagram and YouTube as well. You can also email into the show and we will read all emails and this will allow you to participate in the discussion. You can do so at rightbetweentheeyes at gmail.com. Get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode and hear why Kiss is still the hottest band in the world and why they still hit us right between the eyes. See you in a few weeks, Kiss family.